so 12 through 17, basically. This portion is called Lech Lecha. Um, Haim always says, I want to ask you to say that, but I'll ask you to say that. Lech Lecha, let's hear it. Because yeah, it's not that tough. It's not like, it's not, it wasn't a real tough one, like Shalach Lecha, or Behalotecha, or anyways, Lech Lecha. Um, and what that means, it's, it's basically, um, it's a it's very unique kind of construction of of, uh, of words there, and it's just a, a strong command to go. It's not a real request or anything. It's kind of a command, like get out of here, go. That's what it means, um, and so that's kind of what's being said there. Uh, kind of do it now. There's urgency with it. Uh, you know, this is God telling Abraham or Abram at this point to leave his land, leave his relatives, everything that that he's ever known, and. You think, okay, that's a pretty strong request, so I don't know about you, but I might say, well, why, right? And, but we don't see that um, because God follows it up. He says, look, just go because, uh, so, that, so that I can show you where to go. I won't tell you now, but trust me and go is what he says. And then there's some language there that based on some of your translations will say, you know, these are like real promises kind of things that will happen. But what these are, these are desire languages. This is God saying that, trust me. You know, you need to go, but trust me, I want the best for you. It's not so much of, of a promise of, you know, this will happen, that will happen, as it is desire language. It's not, I will bless you, but I really want to bless you. That's what I want to do. Um, and these are not really the typical uh, verses. This is, you know, basically, if you go, please, you know, go, I want to do this for you. And these are not, I think, the typical verses that we read about when we have a discussion, let's say, about do we have free choice or do we have, you know, does God choose and all this kind of stuff. But quite frankly, I think this is uh, a pretty, pretty good evidence for, you know, that there is some, some choice involved um, for that. And an interesting uh, thing also, uh, if you look back um, in chapter 11, at the end of chapter 11, this comes right on the heels of the discussion of, of Abr- Abram's father, Terah, and his, his children in their journeys, and it said that uh, they were on their way also to Canaan, the same place that God is telling, we know God's going to show Abram where to go, Um, but we see that they settled in Haran, but they were on their way, the same way, um, and lived lived there 205 years, and then as soon as Terah, the father, uh, died, God says again, says right away, now go. So does this mean that, that you know, Terah was disobedient and he didn't go and now God's working with Abram? Possibly. Possibly could be what we're seeing here, not a brand new call, so to speak. But we do see that, uh, we do see this interaction with Abram, which I'll get back to before I read. Um, an interesting piece I noticed in chapter 12 there is that we don't see interaction with God right away. We kind of know Abram, Abraham later with this discussion in, in next week's portion and this negotiating with God before Sodom and Gomorrah and having these in-depth conversations and so forth. But we don't see that right away here. Uh, we don't see interaction with God, the talking back and so forth. We just see that Abram went. And then we see, after that, that God appeared to Abram. So he said it, Abram went, then God appeared. You'd think you'd want a little more of a sign first, right? But Abram, this is why we talk about the faith of Abram and Abraham. Um, and then after God appeared to him, Abraham built an altar to Adonai. And then in verse 8 of chapter 12, Abraham finally, it says, called on the name of Adonai. Um, so then there's other things that go on. I'm just going to give you some highlights here. This is in this section. Uh, this is where Abram and, and, and Sarah go, uh, Sarah go to uh, Egypt. There's a famine in the land and with the, uh, you know, Abraham, Abraham lies about Sarah being his, his, or asks her to lie about being his, uh, his sister and not his wife. 
And as a result of that, he actually gets a lot of stuff uh, on his way, kind of gets some wealth there. This is not an excuse for, for, you know, saying that kind of thing and working the system, so to speak. But this is what happened. God blessed him. We also see an interesting piece here that God also uh, showed mercy to Pharaoh in this case. Uh, the Pharaoh th- who, who, who he interacted with in Egypt, somehow, I don't know about you, you read this, you know, Pharaoh takes Sarah into his house and, and thinking it's, you know, that she's an unmarried woman and all these plagues happen and so forth and somehow Pharaoh's like knows exactly what happened. Why'd you do this to me? Why did you lie? God somehow showed mercy to communicate to, to Pharaoh this way. So it's pretty, pretty cool when you think about that. Um, we see Abraham. We also get the time marker here that Abraham was, uh, or Abram, I go back and forth, but it's, it's Abraham for our purposes now was uh, 75 years old when he did this, when he left, according to God's word and God's promise, which, I'll, again, I'll get back to. Um, he was 75. Chapter 13, we see the, uh, Abraham had taken Lot with him, his, his nephew, and they separate, and Lot chose what looked good to him, okay? Um, and regardless, even though it looked like he took the most fertile and best land when he and Abram se- separated because there wasn't enough land and stuff for both of them to keep all their people and their flocks and so forth. God still reassured uh, Abraham of his promises to him. And I want to draw your attention also to something uh, that we see in the text here also, is that we see that when, when Lot moved, is that he went, um, he, went close to, he went close to Sodom. It says he went near. And then ultimately we see later on that in chapter 14 that he was in Sodom, <laughs> So it kind of gives us, I think, a little bit of warning to, you know, how close do we get to things that we shouldn't get close to, you know? And how important is it uh, the company that you keep and the proximity you get to things maybe because I'm just going to go near it. I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll go out to the club or something with somebody, but I won't drink or I'm going to do that. But eventually, Lot went from being close to living in the city, we see later on, especially in the next section. So kind of a little warning, I think, for us there. Chapter 14, we see where the people of Sodom were, were taken, and then we learn a little bit about Abraham, which is kind of interesting. He seems to have some type of military training or something. He kind of makes goes on this real, you know, uh, uh, way to get Lot back and takes his, his people and separates them and does this amazing thing and gets them back. And then we, we read about, uh, in chapter 15, this uh, encounter with Melchizedek. And, uh, you know, if you... <laughs> Abraham specifically took no reward for any of this work, um, and then we see that that that, uh, that God reinstitutes His covenant with him and so forth. Um, but Melchizedek, just for for a moment there, you know, where is where is he from? This is this person out of nowhere who's a believer in Adonai and he's a priest. And where is he from? And who is he? So uh, I think I'm asking Joanne if you would come up and answer all those questions for us real quick. No, okay. Um, the fact. You don't want to see my thunder. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, well, here's here's my thunder. We don't know. We don't know that stuff. Uh, we don't have time to explore all the speculation there. There is speculation in other places because Melchizedek has mentioned other places in Scripture. Is it uh, literally, in, in, you know, uh, God in the flesh? Some want to say it's Yeshua. Is it uh, some type of just pre- prefigu- prefiguring and so forth? Um, you know, there's all kinds of thought there. If you research, you'll find that, and I'll give the Chaim answer to those questions. Yes, and maybe that's that's all of those things. But the fact is, we really don't know. And this is a good example where, when you start researching this, you'll find that in these areas that are definitely questionable, there's all types of speculation and all kinds of things written. But the fact is, you really don't know. But it's a very interesting character that we read about there in this in this section. Uh, but it just really the, the, don't lose sight of the picture that we see, which is really Abraham 
showing his character and his faith and saying what you know he's not going to give honor to anybody but God alone. That's the that's the picture more than who is Melchizedek, you know. Don't lose sight of the of the forest for the trees. Is that how it goes? Yeah, forest for the trees, right. Focused on the tree, you miss the forest. Um, so we see that again the covenant is renewed with Abraham in Genesis 15. This is where the animals were cut and and, they, and God walks between them himself making this unilateral covenant with God. Uh, but we also see in the midst of all this, in the midst of this, this success that Abraham experiences and getting Lot back and, and all of this stuff, that he's still focused on what he doesn't have. I don't know if that can relate to you or not. Um, he doesn't have the child. So he was doubtful, but he was open-minded. I want to I encourage you there to, to read this section where he clearly was still focused on what he didn't have from God, but he wasn't, didn't have a negative attitude as much as he, he wanted to know. He was willing to listen to God, and um, he wanted to believe. Chapter 16, uh, we see that uh, the, the Hagar and uh, Ishmael, this is the, the son that uh, Abraham had with uh, his, his wife's handmaiden. And we want to give Abra Abraham a hard time here, you know, for, for agreeing with his wife and, and, and circumventing uh, God's plans a bit. And a few things about that. I want to I say that, you know, it had been 11 years since that promise. You know, so give him a little bit of a break there. He had that promise and it didn't seem like anything was happening. Um, and... Uh, you know, again, I don't know how long you hold on to the promises of God and without, you know, giving up or trying to maybe institute your plan and your, your, your process there. But also up until that point, unless I misread things, and I might have, God had only said that this child would come, the promised child would come from Abraham's body himself. Um, I don't necessarily think it talked about who else, but it was him. And so did Ishmael, yeah. Um, and only in, in chapter 17 and verse 19 does God specify now that, you know, the promise is actually going to come through your wife, Sarah. Um, so we see it as the, the close of this section in chapter 17 that Abraham is now at 99 years old. Okay, that's 26 years since the promise God had made to him, just to give you a picture of the faith of, of Abraham. God once again renews his, his promise to, to Abraham, telling him about his desire to uh, bless him and multiply him, making him a father of many nations. Um, he reminds him that he is El Shaddai, the mighty God, gives him that name change, to the name that means father of multitudes. Can you imagine that? I mean, it's almost like someone calling you, oh, you're, you're just, you know, you've just gone bankrupt, you just filed for bankruptcy, and like, man, you're such a successful business person, and you're such a great financial planner, and this and that, and you, you've just experienced the lowest, you know, financial point in your life, and you're, you're calling me something that I clearly am not. It's almost like a, like a, a cruel joke or something, you know, when, when you think about it. But that's, that's the... That was what God was promising him, even though it looked like that on the outside. The fact was he was saying, man, you're, you're going to be a father of many nations. Yeah, I'm 99. This has been 26 years. Sure. Um, and then we see the institution of the rite of circumcision. That's the closing act of, of faith in this section. Again, that after these 26 years from Abraham first following God's command, uh, he now follows through with the circumcision. This is also a big step of faith. I mean, this is a new thing. It's a serious act of faith, right, on his part and his an entire household's part. Just think about that for a minute, you know. And uh, anyways, that's, that's an, an interesting piece in itself. I chose to read from the, this, the very beginning of this chapter, the, the Lech Lecha part, the first four verses. This is uh, the moment of faith, I think, in Abraham's life. When we, talk, when we think about Abraham and the, the, the person of faith, Sometimes we say, well, you know, it's, it's his defining moment was when he had that knife raised over his son and was getting ready to stab him and kill him. 
And the angel of the Lord stopped him, and that was the faith. Now, Abraham, I know that you have the faith. But quite frankly, I believe this um, is the, the moment of faith for Abraham, really the big, big moment of faith and not the binding of Isaac. From this little word that we see uh, in chapter 12, um, in, in the last verse, Vayelech Avram, and, and he went, and Abraham went. That's the moment of faith. That's the big, big faith moment, greater, uh, greater than anything, really. Um, and again, it's not, it's not until even, you know, he did this without anything other than a word from God. Uh, it wasn't until later on that God even appeared to him. And so I want to suggest that, you know, God doesn't toy with us, um, but sometimes, you know, we do need to take that step of faith, and the greater evidence for a step of faith comes much after, comes afterwards, and it's difficult. And that's the case we see here in, Ab- in Abraham's case because God spoke, Abraham acted, and then God appeared. That's the action that we see here. And, you know, Abraham having went, I think, is an arguably underreported moment of great faith in the, in the Bible and a faith that really conveyed uh, blessing to Abraham, conveyed blessing to his descendants, and ultimately, that is the one of many, but it is a very important thread that um, leads to the birth of Yeshua and to blessing to, to that blessing of the entire world that we do read here in in these verses.